Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Are there days when you feel like you absolutely have to be that funny thing called a super mom? When you are running in all directions as fast as you can and you have no clue where you are, but you're getting it done? Well, we're going to be talking today to an expert in this field. Her name is Kimberly Liu, and she is going to be talking about the supermom phenomenon, how you be one, whether you know you are one, whether you should be one, and what it takes to stay in balance if you've got that role. So stay tuned. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Welcome to the program. If you're returning, I'm so glad you found value. And if you're brand new, I'm delighted that you found us. And today we're going to be talking about super moms. Know something about that? Well, my guest certainly does. Her name is Kimberly Liu. You find her at KimberlyLiu.com. That's easy to remember. And welcome to the program, Kimberly. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I love to talk about things that really get to the heart of our daily life. And if you have a child, particularly if you happen to be a mom on her own with a child or two or three, um, you almost have to become a super mom or you get into overwhelm. Tell us what led you to talk about super moms. Well, I am a mom, right? And I am a single mom and I have a career. And I didn't mean to be superwoman. It just happened. You know what I mean? And, you know, I was always, and I always feel like I was always trying to balance everything. And I always felt like a failure, felt guilty, felt like I was being the most horrible mom in the world. And it was, it was very challenging. And so I would try to work while my child was sleeping and I was spinning my wheels going to work fast. Because again, as a single mom, if the bills aren't paid, if I'm not working, we don't get, we don't, we don't eat. And so I remember um, being, you know, I was on welfare at one time, uh, living in my car when I was pregnant and I had left, you know, my hut, you know, my, my partner at the time, and we were planning to get married and it just didn't work out. And I didn't want to go home. I stayed with my mom for a week or so. And that was a very toxic environment. Mm. And so I'd rather live in my car than, you know, figure it, you know, try to figure it out. But what happened was, I just never gave up, you know? And so while my child was sleeping and thank God, I think, I think the universe or God, whatever you want to call it kind of knows what you can take. So the, the universe gave me a child that would sleep for, you know, from seven to seven. And that was the time I would work. Sometimes I would get three or four hours of sleep, but she would sleep and I would get all of my work done. So I wrote three books. Now, you know, I have four while she was sleeping. I would call people. I would email people because for the first 16 months, I don't know how I did it, but I was able to be home with my child. But then I had to go to work 
and my daughter was very angry at me when I went back to work. Um, but I literally, I would work with her strapped to me in an ergo, you know, and I was doing training. I was doing life coaching, personal training. And my clients were like, we don't care if your child comes, just come and help us. <laughs> so my daughter knew when mommy's working, you be quiet. And then, but by the time she was 16 months old, you know, she had to, uh, she had to start going into a daycare and she did not like that. And it was the hardest moment of my life, but mm -hmm. somehow we managed it. Somehow we, we managed to make it work. Well, I think that is one of the big issues about being a super mom is that balance. And whether you're not listeners, you consider yourself a super mom. It's the same thing if you're running as fast as you can in all directions, <laughs> because whether you consider yourself a super mom, you are one if you're actually keeping your head above water, sitting up and taking nourishment and looking after your children well. That's a huge task, particularly when you're on your own, but even when you have help, because so often you may be in a two-parent family who both parents are working mm -hmm. and then you have that balance and you still have to often run as fast as you can so <clears throat> i have a really sort of a contrary question okay i think it's important that we all take care of what needs to be taken care of but you know somehow there's something special and fabulous about being a super mom do you think we really need that title do you think that maybe that l makes expectations that other people might feel like they're just not living up to if they don't be it all have it all and do it all at the same time right you know i honestly don't think i can honestly tell you i am not a super mom i am doing the best that i can and there are days where I fail. Thank God I'm failing forward. You know, it's like every mistake leans to, uh, to a solution to something else. But think of it this way, you know, you're talking about spinning your wheels and going and going and going. Think of the deer, right? And I always use this analogy. If a deer is being chased by a pack of wolves, is he gonna be able to stop and get a massage? Is he gonna be able to stop and digest his steak dinner and connect to the deer family? And there are days where I feel like that deer, I'm just not able to connect. And then, you know, I believe in harmony, not balance. Because I always feel like when you're succeeding in one area, you're failing in another. You know, I feel like in my, my opinion, and I could be completely wrong, is you can only focus on one goal at a time. And so sometimes when I'm working and I'm succeeding at work and I'm doing all the television interviews or whatever, um, I miss a child's, uh, my, my daughter's dance recital. And then sometimes when I'm working with my daughter and I am uh, creating and being so focused on her, I might have to miss an interview. You know, so I think, I don't think anybody is super mom. I think we're all just doing the best that we can. And that wherein lies, we must be able to be there as a community for each other. Because a lot of times I feel like in the past for me i would attract women who were very like they wouldn't even help but that's also says you know where i was at so somehow i started to do the inner work i started to create this um environment to where now i have such supportive women because i can't do it all and i do need help mm -hmm. and so i reach out and i support those women and they support me 
I'm so glad that you went in that direction because I think we need to hear that message, Kimberly. Yeah. I think there's way too much out in the world that's suggesting push, 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 yeah. do more, be more, have more, do more, be more, have more. And it's an unrealistic expectation. I don't think it's a high expectation. I think it's an unrealistic expectation that sets people up to feel badly. And when you should be going, wow, I made it through a day and my child and I survived and we connected and there's food on the table. Woohoo! Right. Well, it's kind of like this, you know, um, I, I just did a television interview and I was terrified, right? And I was, uh, public speaking is actually my number one fear, but it's I, funny that that's what I do for a living, right? right. So. And I don't like being on live television. So I remember I, just a couple of days ago, I went to go on this KTLA and I woke up in a pool of sweat because I was absolutely terrified. And my daughter woke up too. She goes, mommy, are you okay? And I said, no, but I'm going to be. And, and I'm so sorry that I woke you up and I'm so sorry. But you know, I was just so focused and absorbed in what I was supposed to be doing. I wasn't able to focus on her. But then I got that over with the next day, I picked her up from school. I said, now it's you and me time because mommy was being chased by those wolves, right? I couldn't stop and connect with you. But now that I've got that behind me, let me just stop and connect. What do you, what do you need right now? Is what do you want to do? And of course we went and had frozen yogurt and we went and we were able to connect. I was able to turn off my phone and be able to be present with my daughter. But we we're all doing the best that we can. And I, ha and I have a funny story really quick. You know, I used to be the perfect mom until I had a kid, right? Until my daughter was the one sprawled out on the target floor throwing a tantrum and people were walking over her and I was like, they're like, who's this kid? I'm like, that's mine. She's mine. <laughs> so I noticed that every time I would judge a mom, the very same thing would happen to me within five minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, you know, I had to learn how to like be non-judgmental as well, as well as be of service and be help and also learn how to not judge myself. Because again, I, if I could do better, I would, I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly changing and growing. I'm constantly doing the best that I can. And sometimes it's not enough. Again, very wise. I just want to go back to something that you said about you know, when you were concerned and you had stress about doing your interview mm -hmm. and you were able to communicate to your child mm -hmm. that this is a time when I have to make a decision and my body's taking me over here because right. I'm trying to accomplish something. Right. And when we actually, at an age-appropriate way, communicate that to our child, right. we give them permission to have moments when they can say to us, um... I can't talk to you right now because I'm in overwhelm. You know, I really relate to what you're saying. I raised three kids mostly by myself, working full time, getting a PhD as well. And yes, I look back on that. People ask me all the time, how did you do that? I have no clue. All I know is I did it one day at a time. I accomplished what needed to be there, what I was stubbing my toe on, what I had to walk over and walk through and walk into. And that's what we do. And if we're conscious right. of just even trying to be a good enough parent and have a good enough life that's a good enough model for our children, 
we're going to have those moments, but it's that consciousness that makes the difference mm -hmm. and the communication. Like, I love you talking with her yeah. about, okay, you know, I've got my knickers in a twist today and I recognize I'm not fully present for you. And, you know, there'll be days when that may happen to both of us and it's okay. We're doing this together. And that allows us to get out of that frenzy that somehow we're supposed to be perfect all the time. Supposed to have it all together and remember where we put it, you know? And I feel like too, I feel like, um, you know, I remember, I remember a friend telling me, I can't cry in front of my kid. And I said, what, why, you know? And she goes, well, my, my child feels out of control. And I said, you know, for me, when I have emotions, I don't hide them because think of it this way. If I were to go up to a dog and I'm fearful and I try to pet it, what's going to happen? It's going to bite me. Right. Or it's certainly not going to like me, but if I go to that same dog and I have a calm sort of energy, the dog's going to let me pet it. So my child's going to feel whether humans are no different. So my child is going to feel and I'm upset anyway, but I remember thinking like my mom would always have this pomegranate of I'm fine, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't. And so I grew up yeah. confused because I didn't know how I felt and I didn't, I didn't know. And so whenever I have big emotions and I called him, my daughter's name is Summer. Summer, mommy's having a big emotion, but I can have this big emotion and still take care of you and everything's going to be okay. So it's okay to have big emotions we're all safe. You're okay. Mommy's okay. And we're having a big emotion. Yeah, that was perfect that was for her. That was huge for her because she could relax and be like, okay, mommy's feeling sad right now. Um, and she's okay because my needs are still met. Mm. Yeah. I, it's wonderful when we have the presence of mind yep. and the willingness to have those conversations and develop those pathways of communication with our children yeah. be, um, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I have a doctorate in psychology, as I said, and I'm, people ask me all the time about parenting. And my specialty is helping people who have been with toxic people, right. whether they were raised by them or they were married to them or they are married to them or whatever's going on. And so much has to do with what we're handing on to the children. So being able to own our emotions i think where the line comes and maybe where your friend was thinking mm -hmm. is that she didn't know how to speak in an age-appropriate way without putting her feelings on the child and right. making the child feel responsible for the feelings because with our brain development it you know it takes us 30 years to get a fully solid fully developed brain wow. um, there are different times in our life when we can't handle information and if we start talking to our children too early asking them for emotional responses right. or logical responses right. we confuse them and take them in place that are unhealthy for them to go so maybe your friend had that maybe she was thinking I don't know how to do this in an age-appropriate way so I don't allow myself that and I agree with you so much that's unrealistic we have feelings sometimes we have big feels and sometimes we just have to own them <laughs> and I feel like too like my mom she, I was her mom growing up I lived in probably one of the most toxic environments that you could possibly ever imagine. I don't know many people who have had the kind of past that I've had and lived to tell about it and, and be sane in order to be able to, um, to, to articulate and be able to help other people with it as well. 
So that being said, I remember a memory when I was three years old and my mom was just dumping on me. And I, to this day, still have trauma from that. And so I totally get what you're saying completely. It's because what is age appropriate for a child? All I know is I can just say, hey, look, we're, we're having big emotions, but it's gonna be okay. You're okay, I'm okay, everything's okay. And even though it doesn't look like it, believe me, this too shall pass. And as I started to work with my daughter on that, you know, my whole thing is, is like you said, the buck stops here. And she's going to have her own issues from what I've done as a, as a mother. I mean, I'm fully aware I have a therapy fund for her. It's a nice little therapy fund. And I don't care how amazing of a mother you are, set aside at a therapy fund because, or, you know, we may have done something completely perfect, but then our child was like, that really hurt me <laughs> because we all have a belief system, right? And it all stems from childhood, you know, and a belief system is, um, a story that we tell ourselves day in and day out. And I always tell people, if you're going to tell a story about your life, whatever you say goes. And the story usually goes something like, I'm not and the world is. I'm not enough. I'm not capable. I'm not lovable. Or it even could be like, I'm dirty. I whatever. And the world is punishing. The world is against me. The world is unfair. Every single person on this planet, in my belief, has a belief like that. And so what happens is, is I tell people, you know, people, especially if they're feeling stuck, you know, I say, you know, pretend like you and I are going to go on a journey and get in the backseat of the car. So you get in the backseat of the car and then you get yourself comfortable and you're in there and you're like resting. And then I say, and then I jump in the backseat of the car with you and you say, Kim, who's going to drive the car? And I say, don't worry, my five-year-old daughter. My five-year-old, she's going to drive us to San Francisco. If you were any sane or even not so sane person, what would you say? <laughs> no, I don't no. think so. No, maybe no, not. <laughs> Let me out of here. <laughs> Let me out of here. Right. And so, the, you know, and I always say, then why is your five-year-old driving your life? Because so many of us are not dealing with that inner child as a result. And a lot of times, too, when we have kids, at least for me, you know, and I, I was diagnosed with severe complex PTSD and, you know, an ADD and all that stuff. But, um, and that's just a diagnosis. That's not who I am. And I was able to overcome all that. But when my child was at certain ages, she brought up trauma for me and I was having to relive it because, and then my daughter would always be, tell me a story about your past, mommy. Okay, let's try to find a good memory here. Um, okay, and I just start making up stories, <laughs> you know, because that five-year-old was trying to take over. She would get triggered. So I had to learn to comfort that inner child within me and at those certain ages. And I've done a lot of therapy. And, um, and thank God, therapy is so wonderful. It's so beautiful. I, I love personally EMDR therapy, which really helped. And and then addressing those belief systems and really questioning, like, is this true? Am I really not lovable? Am I really dirty? You know, is the world really against me? And once I started to challenge those beliefs and come up with new beliefs and start looking for evidence for those beliefs, then my world outside, because this started to change, my outer world started to change as well. Yeah, absolutely true. I mean, 
that's the progress. That's the way it happens for us. And if you find yourself, I say this to my clients all the time because I have clients all over the world. And, and if, if you get hit with an emotion that was something that got installed in you when you were five years old Mm -hmm. and that emotion gets triggered, your five-year-old is driving the bus and um, that's really not going to get you to the destination of your choice and definitely not in good shape. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's a beautiful story, Kim. Well put. Thank you. And I think that it's it's really important for us all to listen to what Kim said. You know, therapy and having a therapy fund for your child, I love that. But, you know, <laughs> right? people, people used to ask me when I was, you know, young and young mom and on my own with the kids yeah. and I have very little money. And of course, I mean, what are you going to do? Back in that day, it was a long time ago, I remember that I got the princely sum of $120 in child support a month. And so I, you know, back in, in those times, it was really difficult. And I had this tiny little window of having, having childcare after work on Fridays for three hours. Oh, <laughs> and that was my no. social life. Right? <laughs> and I remember someone saying to me, because there was a, a bar that I liked to go to at that time, and it was all professionals. And that's why I liked it. And I remember I would go in and some fellow would say to me, well, um, what's your name what's your sign and what do you do you know and i would say well you know i'm a psychologist by training and they would go oh no (laughs) so i decided that i needed to get a better story so i (laughs) what what i did was i i I, I developed one so the next time a fellow asked me that question i said let me ask you a question first so he'd say, okay. And I'd say, what do you do? And he'd say, well, I'm an attorney. i say, great. Do you have a car? Yeah. What do you have? A BMW. Oh, great. When it breaks down, do you fix it? Well, no. I take it to the shop. Well, why do you take it to the shop? Well, because the shop people know about BMWs. Well, why don't you learn about BMWs and fix it yourself? I'm an attorney. I said, okay, <laughs> ask me the question. And of course, he'd say, what do you do? And I'd say, I'm a life mechanic. (laughs) I love that. Oh my gosh. Can I use that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's a story I've told so many times that people will probably recognize your story. But, um, But the thing is that that's what therapy is all about. It's having, like I tell my clients, okay, you're a fish in a bowl. You can see the other fish, you can see the water, but I can see you and the other fish and the water and the bowl and the room and the table and all of that because I'm standing way back here. And that's my gift to my clients is perspective Mm. so that I can see those things. And so I hope everybody realizes that therapy is supportive. It's not confrontative in the sense that somebody knows and you don't know. It's a joint venture that we work through together. I have this view. You have the inside view. We bring them together and we solve whatever it is that's troubling you. 
and so important. So let's get back to super moms because you're talking about some things. I think every super mom should have a therapy fund myself. Good idea. Have one for yourself and one for your children. And, and you're absolutely right. No matter how much of a super mom we are, no matter how conscious we are, the child's perception at different levels of brain development is going to take it in much differently than we put it out. And it, it may, well, there may be times when they match, and that's great. And then there will be way more times when they don't match. You know, I, I was sitting with my three kids quite a while ago now because, the, you know, we live far apart. And uh, I, I really laughed because we were having a conversation about um, food. And, you know, I've always been what they consider a health nut. And so the conversation came around to, would anybody trade lunches with you? <laughs> and the other one's going, no, not a chance, <laughs> you know. So there were these shared stories. So here I was doing what I thought was best for my children's health, and they're all in great health. They've had no problems. And they're thinking, oh, I've got brown rice again. Nobody's going to trade with me, right? So it's just a difference in perception. We can think we're doing the very best thing, and from their childhood locked in is those terrible lunches and when i said to them but you're all so healthy have you noticed that (laughs) (laughs) i know i'm somehow that connection got missed (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly now i just want to remind everyone if you're tuning in at this point that i'm talking to kimberly lou you find her at kimberlylou.com and kimberly is spelled k-i-m-b-e-r-l-y-l-o-u.com Sometimes people have an extra letter in Kimberly. She doesn't, so <laughs> notice that. Thank you. And we're talking about super moms, and we're not talking about super moms in the way that you might think that you're supposed to be one right. if you have it together. We're talking about what it calls forth from you to do a good job of being a mom and in particularly a single mom so kimberly has something for you a free gift for you she has a meditation on body sense sounds fascinating i hope you'll go and see it the link is in the show notes but for those of you who happen to not be driving right now <laughs> i will tell you you can go to kimberlylou.com slash subscribe and you'll also get anything else that kimberly has for you so the whole super mom phenomenon i'm so glad that you have demystified it for us because when i first read that in in your work i thought Oh, I don't want to set people up for thinking they ought to be one. And I think we've demystified that. And I want to turn to a book that you wrote because Mm -hmm. just before we talk about it, I think one of the first steps to being a great mom is to take the time. I know time's a commodity, but take the time when you can just sit down for half an hour and reflect on who you are and what your values are, what your vision for your life is, what you're actually demonstrating in your life, what you might like to change, and know what it is the model you're giving your children of how to cope with life is. So you wrote a book, um, and it's called Becoming Who You're Meant to Be. Tell us about that and how that relates to what I was just saying. 
Well, becoming who you're meant to be was my own hero's journey. You know, I had an autoimmune disorder. I was working 80 hours a week again, because I was the single mom and I was working for a corporation, but they took 70% of my money. And so I was also trying to build my side practice in between while my daughter was sleeping and all of that. And I started to um, develop survival skills and coping skills like alcohol, drugs. I was doing, you know, I was doing everything I could just to survive, you know, tons of caffeine in the morning. And then I was also had low self-esteem. I didn't think I could do it, you know, and I had never even held a child before, before I even had her. I didn't have any family. I had nobody, you know, my, my friends who were, um, who were my friends before were all entrepreneurs and career people, but they didn't have any children. So, excuse me. So it was a very, very challenging time. And then at the time my sister got, you know, diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, if something happens to me, my daughter doesn't have anyone to go to. My, I certainly couldn't send her to my family. Um, and my mom and everybody had passed away. Most people had passed away, but I still have some brothers who thought I was going to send them to there because that was very toxic. So it was like, I've got to do something and I've got to do something fast because I'm going to die if I don't stop. And so I was, and my friend, I was telling her, you know, cause I was busy at the time, you know, I mean, I, I, on the outside, I looked very successful and I was, I was very successful on the inside. I was just dying because of my schedule. And I told my friend one time, you know, I gotta slow down. And she goes, no, you don't, you don't need to slow down. I go, what? <laughs> she goes, no, you don't need to slow down. You just need to become more. And I go, and I'm slightly annoyed, right? I wanted to punch her in the face. <laughs> Yes, she did. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I go, become more, huh? I go, what does that mean? And she goes, you're a meditator. Go figure it out. So I'm angry and I'm going into meditation. I'm like, how dare, how dare she tell me this? And so like, I'm, I'm in it and I'm like, okay, well, what does become more mean? What does that mean? And then I was in meditation. I was quieting my heart and listening and then I realized it's not about time management. It's about energy management. And how do I manage my energy is I have to add self-care into my life. So first of all, I had to address my belief systems because no matter how hard I worked, it was never enough, right? Because I'm not enough and I'm not lovable and the world is very punishing. What do you think what kind of relationships do you think I attracted? So I really had to sit back and adjust, uh, you know, really address what are my belief systems and, and what are they causing? And then I had to understand if it's hysterical, it's historical. Meaning that if I was triggered by something or a thought, it usually had to do something from childhood. So I had to go and address my childhood through therapy and through the eight steps that I have in my book. I have an eight step process that helps you get through the, the trigger all the way down to the solution and visualizing in your new life. And so I had to identify, okay, hysterical, historical, where does this stem from? And what's my payoff of having this belief? Because it serves me quite well. And realizing that my belief of I'm unlovable, the payoff was I kept everyone at a distance. So I didn't let anyone in, including my daughter. Everyone was outside of me and I would let them get to a certain point. And you know, I, I allowed my daughter to get close, but then when she started to experience the terrific twos, I was getting triggered left and right, the terrific twos and threes and the effing fours, right? She was really triggering me. 
um, I was becoming triggered by some of her actions from childhood. And so I, I kept everyone at a distance, including her. And I realized I can't do that. I cannot do that anymore. So I had to get the help. I had to re-identify the beliefs and then I had to change the beliefs so that I knew, okay, let's challenge it. Like, am I really unlovable? No. Why? Why am I not lovable? Why, where am I life? Am I already loved? Cause people always say, Kim, do affirmations work? And I say, absolutely. They work if you believe them, but chances are, if you don't believe them, they're just going to make you weaker because your thoughts, whether positive, you don't believe it, it's going to make you weak. So I developed, I, I heard of this technique from Noah St. James, and he was talking about affirmations, why questions. So it was like, well, why am I enough? Why am I lovable? Because here's what I know about the brain, and this is all in the book. What I know about the brain is the brain loves to solve problems. So if you don't give it positive problems to solve, it'll start creating negative ones for you. So every day I started coming up with tech tips and techniques to be able to come up with positive problems for my brain to solve. And then I had to make sure that not only did I need to take care of myself mentally, I had to take care of myself emotionally. I had to start doing meditation, reading something inspirational, writing about it, journaling. Journaling is the number one thing, by the way. And then meditating on that. And that's what I did for my emotional body. And then I had to do physical things for my body. Because think of it this way, if a, if I, if I had a chihuahua and I always say this, I don't have a chihuahua, but if I did, and I left him in my living room with no structure, no purpose and no exercise, what would he do to my couch? <laughs> what would, what kind of fixations and, and, uh, mental illnesses would he have? Would he develop anxiety because he has all this kinetic energy and he doesn't know where to disperse it? Would he develop fixations? Fixations are just, in, in animal kingdom, fixations are just addictions. And we're, we do everything we can. We, we have these survival skills, these coping skills just to get out of pain. So then people, you know, I may it may be a chihuahua, but humans are no different. We reach for food, we reach for drugs, we reach for alcohol, gambling, sex, binge watching Netflix, binge watching YouTube. It could be this thing where you just fixated and you get sucked into this because you just want to check out. And so it was like learning how to redirect that kinetic energy through movement, not hard because remember if that deer is being chased by a pack of wolves, he's already burnt out. So then people say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start this kick your butt program. And then they fail within two weeks. And now they're even more depressed and even more discouraged. So that book just entails the step-by-step -step guide of easy, simple tech techniques and solution. And each week builds on the next to help slowly and or quickly, however fast you want to read the book to get your life and to just make small little changes each day so that you can become who you're meant to be as well. Was that a long description? <laughs> that was a very long description. And you know, unfortunately, I don't have time to take it apart. But I do want to say something about something you said early in that long description. Um, what that is, is that you pointed out to something that happens when we have not done our own work and we may not even know we had work to do. Right. Then we have a child and they come to what's known as the individuation process right. at two years old. Right. 
And so we give birth to this child and we have this lingering thought and hope that now I have somebody who loves me unconditionally. And then they turn into this two-year-old who learns to say, no. no. And, and that just absolutely turns you into a pretzel if that was your hope, because how dare you say no? Like you're supposed to you, help me help you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when you react to a, a two-year-old who's individuating and so excited to find that they can say no and be separate from who you are, it's the first time that they learn that you and and them are not the same person. Right. And they're just exercising that little thing by saying, no, no, no. And <clears throat> it's not about you. <laughs> it's about them. It's hard not to take it personally, too. <laughs> it is very difficult. Yeah, I mean, I had I had one of those childhoods that left me, you know, with the ragged T-shirt and the video and all of that yeah. too. And I think that that helps us know how to help people, but it drives us to learn how to help people as well. So I think we could talk for a very long time, but I want to thank you so much for thank your you so insights. It's, it's been a real pleasure. My guest today is Kimberly Liu. You find her at KimberlyLiu.com. You spell Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y and Liu, L-O-U.com. She has a free gift for you, a meditation on body sense. You'll get that at KimberlyLiu.com slash subscribe. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. You find me at Transforming Relationship and at TransformingRelationship.com. Enjoy this podcast. Enjoy my other podcast if you are in a toxic relationship. It's called Save Your Sanity. And you can find that at SaveYourSanityPodcast.com or going to TransformRelationship.com and clicking on the uh, podcasts. You'll also find my YouTube channel listed there. And its name is For Relationship Help. F-O-R Relationship H-E-L-P. So much for you and so delighted that you joined Kimberly and I today and I hope that we talk soon. And in the meantime, take excellent care of yourself. Do you know why? Because you matter. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights, some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Learn more about how to work with me via video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon. Thank you.